The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. You have a copy of God's Word. Would you join me in Titus chapter 2? Titus chapter 2, the whole chapter this morning. We started last week in a, in a series that we do from time to time on our core values, who we are as a church, what we're, what we're doing as a church, working through five core values that inform the way we, we do things and, and fit into our mission as a church, our mission to be a Christ-centered family on mission. Those five core values are authentic worship, we covered that one last week, doctrinal depth, covenant membership, a culture of grace, and a missional heart. Missional heart. Here's, here's the way we're, we're sort of looking at them together. Um, we want to be Christ-centered. That's what we say. And the way we are Christ-centered is through authentic worship and doctrinal depth. We want to be a family. That's covenant membership and a culture of grace. And we want to be on mission. That is, we want to have a, a missional heart. So it's these things, it's this framework, it's these values that should inform who we are as a congregation and what we're, we're doing as, as a congregation. We, we, we want to work that way. We, wanna, we don't, we don't want to come to who we are and to what we're doing and just you know, let it be based on some, some feelings or um, pragmatism, what may may create the, the greatest you know, uh, earthly results. No, we want to be driven according to um, God's Word. And that, that is the point of the core value of doctrinal depth. Because here's the, the reality. This is the truth. It's always the truth. And that is that doctrine determines direction. Doctrine determines direction. What you believe determines what you do. What you believe determines how you live. It always flows that way. It always flows that way. What we believe determines what we do. What we believe determines how we live. And that is true individually. That's true for me personally. That's true for you personally. And then that is also true corporately as a church. It is the things that we believe that affect the things that we do. It's the things that we believe that affect the things that we do. You show me a church, what they're doing, and I can tell you what they believe. Because if, 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 if what they're doing just 
Take, for example, if what they're doing is highly entertaining, um, highly pragmatic, emotionally driven, then I'm, I'm telling you that there's, there's things that they believe about God that probably aren't necessarily the, the truth. They're probably not believing in the, the sovereignty of God. If you're, if you're as a church, if you're functioning that way, it feels like, at least to me, that you feel like maybe he needs a little help, right? I mean, we've got to come alongside and we've got we to gotta be, you know, real... Uh, the, the, the language, I don't even know if it's the language anymore, but the, the language when I was younger is, is seeker-sensitive. We've got we to set the bar really low so we can get as many people as we can and help them. God brings some of these people into the, to the church. God doesn't need our help with those things. He doesn't. What we do is done based upon what we believe what we believe. Doctrine always determines direction. That's why as a church, we want to be a people who are concerned about doctrinal depth, about knowing God's Word, about knowing Him so that we can function individually and corporately as biblically as as we possibly can. There's lots of places in the scriptures where we could go this morning. Um, we're we're going to look at Titus chapter 2. I, I, this may be the first sermon I've ever preached out of the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good work, and in your teaching show integrity, <coughs> dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opportunity may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are be, to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Paul is is writing a letter to, to Titus, a young pastor. This is a genre of, of scripture called a, a pastoral epistle. Epistle is a, a letter. This is a pastoral letter, a, a letter written um, to, to a pastor to encourage and train and show how it is that he is to go about the exercising of his ministry and how, how the church should, should function. This is, uh, we're, we, we will, after these weeks, we finish this series, we will start a pastoral epistle. You've never walked verse by verse through a pastoral epistle. We will walk verse by verse through 1 Timothy. He's writing to, to Titus, and he says to him in verse 1 of chapter 2, but as for you, as for you, Titus, now you, you see this, this word here, you know, but as for you. What, what Paul is, is doing here to, to Titus is he's holding Titus up against some other ministers, some other pastors, some other teachers. These are false teachers that are teaching false doctrine. So as, as Paul begins to instruct Titus here, he, he begins by saying, Titus, as for you, Titus, you, you are different than them. So to, to get the, the, the weight of this as for you, we have to know the context here. So look with me. We're just going to go up chapter 1, verse 9. As he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. And also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers. Especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced. Since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. Because to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and the unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess, they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. There's these people in this, this church, these, these Cretans, that are teaching false doctrine with bad motives. Paul writes to Titus to say, Titus, you, 
Brother, you are a real biblical God-honoring ministry. You are different. But as for you, Titus, you're not like them. Your ministry is different. What God has called you to is different. And, and Paul makes the distinction here for what it is that is different between Titus and these other false teachers. And the main difference, he says, for Titus is primarily, Titus, what's different for you is what you teach. What's different for you is doctrine. It's your doctrine that's different. You see, they teach the wrong doctrine from the wrong motives. Now, we don't know all of the doctrines that they're teaching there. They are part of the circumcision party, so they're, they're following um, some Old Testament Jewish uh, regulations concerning circumcision, and they're trying to add that into Christianity. It seems that there's other things in there that they're doing for their own personal gain. We don't know all of them, but what we, we can see for sure is that these, these brothers are preaching the wrong doctrine from the wrong motives, and they're getting the wrong results from it. And so he says, as for you, Timothy, I'm sorry, Titus, as for you, Titus, you teach what accords with sound doctrine. It's pretty clear that they hadn't gathered there to be entertained by Titus or to hear the views of Titus, but they had gathered in the presence of God before the instruction of the Word of God to hear God's Word. But as for you, Titus, unlike them, as for you, brother, you teach what accords to sound doctrine. You give attention in your teaching to what is sound doctrine. Why? Because, because all Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Why must Titus give attention to teaching what accords to sound doctrine? The reason is because God's Word is from God. He's the author. It's breathed out by Him. And if it is from Him, if it is breathed out by Him, then it has authority. It has authority. So you, brother, as for you, Titus, you, different. Your ministry is different. Your message is different. Your teaching is different. You teach what accords with sound doctrine. Let your talking, let your teaching, let your preaching be what accords with sound doctrine. This is similar to Paul's instruction to another young pastor, Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, I urge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, what's He urge him to do? What's He charge him to do? Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Be ready 
in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. There there it is. Sound teaching, but have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. I like him. Oh, he's funny. Makes me feel good. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths and movies. Church, this instruction to Titus and instruction to Timothy to preach and to teach the Word of God, what accords with sound doctrine, is the primary ministry of the shepherd. It is. That's why we give so much time to teaching and to preaching. That's why the the vast majority of our time together is spent in teaching and preaching. That's why, as we sing songs and read scriptures, Jacob takes time to talk and to teach the scriptures. Maybe you leave confused. But it's not because Jacob's confused. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, that's, you know, we need the Lord to speak to us when Jacob speaks. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't take it personally. I promise. I'm just kidding. Um... Sometimes I'm confused by myself. (laughs) That's why we spend so much time teaching. It's the primary responsibility. It's what we're called to. Acts chapter 6. I had a problem in the church. Problem in the church was lots of needs. It's a good problem to have. I pray we have that problem. Lots of people. Lots of needs. But so much so that the These elders there in the church were spending time serving tables. And so they put into place deacons to do that. Why? Here it is, Acts chapter 6. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. This is the primary responsibility to teach and to preach a ministry of the Word, but it must be what accords with sound doctrine. That's what Paul tells Titus. That's what Paul told Timothy. So we read that, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. We should see that and go, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, this word sound here has its root in the same word used for hygiene. It's kind of strange to think about. What it means is healthy. It means a healthy doctrine, a, a well doctrine, one that is right and healthy. This this command of Paul for sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, is common. We read it earlier, Titus 1 verse 9, He must hold firm to the 
uh, firm to the trustworthy word that is taught so that he might be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. 1 Timothy 6, 3, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching which accords with godliness, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Over and over again in the pastoral epistles especially, we see this command for the church, for the teaching and the preaching of the church to have its, as its content, sound doctrine. Why? Why is there such an emphasis on sound doctrine? And it is because a healthy doctrine produces healthy living. A healthy doctrine produces healthy living. Why are we concerned about doctrinal depth, about sound, healthy doctrine? Because it is sound, healthy doctrine that equips us to live sound and healthy lives spiritually. If we get the doctrine wrong, we get the living wrong. Because doctrine determines our direction. This This is the flow. It's the flow that we see in this text. It's the flow that we see all over the New Testament. That the Bible never divorces doctrine from duty. It always flows that way. It never divorces truth, the truth of God's Word, from behavior. It's always, always... This is the sound doctrine. Therefore, the way you live should change. It's always that way. Every New Testament Testament epistle is that way. Every one of them. Doctrine, truth, theology, and then a call for right living. A living that accords to the doctrine that you've heard. It's always that way. The greatest doctrine that's ever been written in the history of the world is uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. For 10 chapters, 11 chapters, there's deep, rich, doctrinal truth. And then comes chapter 12. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore. Therefore what? Therefore because of all of these great and glorious doctrinal truths that that you've just heard in these 11 chapters. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It is. Here is who God is. Here is is how He calls us to live 
but out of who He is. Therefore, now, dear brother and sister, you go and you live that way. That is the flow. But we got to have sound doctrine. we got to have healthy doctrine to have healthy living. It has to flow that way. That, that's, that's this... Romans 12, 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you might discern what is the will of God. There's so many people walking around going, I just want to know God's will for my life. What's God's will for my life? Now, most of the time, they mean, you know, should I date this person? Should I marry this person? Should I take this job? Should I go to this college? You know, should I do these specifics? But here's the reality. The more we know Him and who He is, the more His will becomes clear. It it becomes clear by knowing Him. By knowing Him. And how, how do we know Him? We know Him through His Word. We know Him through doctrine. Doctrine is what we believe about Him. Right? We, we want to know doctrine because we want to know Him. We want to know Him, to know His holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. To know His holiness means that we then can be holy because He is holy. How would we know holy living if we didn't know His holiness? The fruit of right doctrine is always righteous living. Always, church. That is why doctrine matters. We have to know what the book says. We have to know who He is so that we can live for Him. That's why it matters. You've heard me say it countless times. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Because it changes everything. So Paul writes and says, As for you, Titus, you, brother, teach what accords to sound doctrine because it changes everything and everybody. The doctrine does. A church that is grounded in spiritual truth and protected from false doctrines will be a spiritually healthy and reproducing church. It will be. Now, we're doing the whole chapter, y'all. And we've done one verse the majority of our time. we got a lot to go. I hope you're not too hungry. This is what Paul highlights next. How sound doctrine and doctrinal depth then should affect the church. And specifically, he highlights older men and younger men, and older women, and younger women, and then those who are in the workplace. I mean, did he leave anybody out? Older men, younger men, older women, younger women. If you think you left anybody out there, we got to have a conversation. That's it. I know the culture wants to tell you that's not it, but that's it. There's nobody else. Doctrine, good, sound doctrine affects everybody. It changes everybody. It changes the way the church functions. This is what you see. Look at verse 2. Older men, teach sound doctrine. Teach what what accords with sound doctrine. 
So older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, healthy in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Man, I, I read that and I think, God, would you give us that kind of men? <coughs> would you give us men who are sober-minded and dignified and self-controlled, and sound in faith and love and in steadfastness? I read, I read that and I go, God, would you build those kind of men in this church? Would you build me into that kind of men, that kind of man? How? How does that happen? It happens through the teaching of sound doctrine. That's how it happens. How do you become one of those men? You become one of those men by knowing God, by knowing His Word, and by living according to it. Verse 3, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the Word of God may not be reviled. And I read that and I go, God, would you build those kind of women in our church? How are those kind of women built in our church? Those kind of women are, are built in this church by the, the teaching of sound doctrine. I read that and I go, God, would you grant in this church those kinds of marriages? How are those kind of marriages produced? Those kinds of marriages are produced through the teaching of sound doctrine. There's something specific here I want to point out. Because in verse 3 and 4, and in verse 7 and 8, there's a command, a call for others to be teachers as well. Right? You see it? Titus, you teach what accords to sound doctrine so that older women can teach the younger women and younger men can teach these things. You see it? Now why, why is that important? Why is it important? Because the preaching and the teaching of sound doctrine should produce in a congregation the passing along of sound doctrine. When we come to these verses, we can't come here and go, man, Jason, I'm glad you're, you're preaching this. And yes and amen, but you're, you're, you're preaching a message to yourself. And in, in a way, I am. But church, listen to the instructions of Paul here. You, you are called to teach what accords with sound doctrine. You are called to pass those things along. You, older women, are called to teach the younger women. You, younger men, are to be self-controlled, verse 6, and show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned. You're to do it. I read this and I think, God, would you, would you not have in this church, in this place, would you not have this culture where the expectation is that Jacob and Jason and Terry do everything? And we come as spectators and consumers and we sit and we receive and we say yes and we say amen 
and we feel like we have accomplished all of the spiritual things that we've been called to um, because we have heard and believed the sound doctrine. It doesn't stop there. It moves on. It reproduces itself as we together are after this task. Now, it's an elder's responsibility primarily to teach what accords to sound doctrine, to guard the church against false doctrine. It is the elder's responsibility to equip you for the works of ministry. Who's doing the ministry here? The older men, the younger, or the older women, younger women, younger men. This is why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry. He gave to the church these officers, these offices, and with them great responsibility so that they could equip the church, the congregation, the saints to do the ministry so that the building up of the body of Christ would happen until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. No, just carried along by sound doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Church, listen. If, we wanna, if, if we're really going to be a church that has sound doctrine, doctrinal depth, then it has to be more than what's just preached on a Sunday morning. It just starts here. But you, you, you must be engaged in the ministry. You must teach show and live sound doctrine that's a healthy church that's why we do community groups that's why we do Bible studies that's why we do men's breakfast that's why different people teach on Wednesday nights we need more of them oh but I can't teach I can't teach well, you can you can you can. The more you know Him, the more you, you can. Verse 9, bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Now these were slaves, bond servants. They were slaves. And by God's grace, we are not. So we make some application here. We apply it to our work, I believe, to say that our work, how, how we live our lives and work and serve people and this church and in our jobs, it should, and this is such great language, it should adorn the doctrine of God. That, that word, therefore, adorn, is where we get this, this, the idea of cosmetics. Now, we don't want to read that and go that God needs you know, freshening up. That God's doctrine needs freshening up. No, what, what we're saying is 
that we, our lives are arranged in such a way and in proper order that it shows the beauty of the gospel. That's the meaning of the text. Our living should be ordered to show the beauty of the gospel. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That's Jesus Christ. The grace of God has appeared in Jesus Christ. The gospel has come and it is bringing salvation for all peoples. And it is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. Because sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, should always result in healthy living. As we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. This is what God is doing. And God is doing it through the proclamation of His Word, through the preaching and the teaching of sound doctrine. From pulpits and pews, God is making for Himself a people. A called out people, a holy people that He has made Himself known to so that He can make Himself known through. This is why we devote ourselves to doctrinal depth. Not so that we can be puffed up. Not so that we can say, oh, look at our church. I mean, we, 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 you know, we, spend, we spend two years in the book of the Bible. Aren't we spiritual? No. We do it so that God will be honored and praised and worshipped among all peoples. Among all tribes. In all nations. We do it for His glory because He is building Himself a people for His glory. That's the point of why we focus so much on doctrine. And that is why we must, as a church, verse 15, declare these things. And in it we will exhort. And in it we will rebuke with all authority that comes from God's Word that no one would disregard us for His glory. Doctrine always determines the direction. It always flows that way. What we believe affects how we live. That's true personally. It's true corporately. That's why our focus is on doctrinal depth. So what role are you playing in that? Because we've all been called to a ministry of teaching doctrinal depth, sound, healthy doctrine. We've all been called to a ministry of living according to what we believe. All of us. Healthy doctrine produces healthy living and healthy churches. That health is not measured on the 
length and depth and width of a sermon. It's measured on how we live. Measured on how we live. Lord, would you help us be a a church that is teaching what accords to sound doctrine so that we would be changed to live in ways that honor you, that glorify you, to live in ways that produce healthy followers of Jesus among all peoples. You are bringing salvation to all people and you are making yourself for yourself a people. So Father, would we be serious about your word, what it says, and what it calls us to, and we would we live in obedience, and would we pass those things along? In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net. Thank you.